Good morning, Toronto City Church. I am super excited that I get to preach the Word of God to you in your homes this morning, or you may be in your car, not quite sure where you're at, but I get to preach the Word of God to you this morning. We are in the sermon series called Hello, My Name Is, and it is about knowing God and making Him known. It is about getting to know one another, but most, most importantly, getting to know God. So I'm just going to pray and we're going to jump right into the word. Father, I thank you this morning for everybody in every household represented right now that is tuning in. Father, I thank you that you are so personal. God, I thank you that you delight in dwelling with us. And this morning we open up our hearts. We open up our homes to fellowship with you this morning. I pray for hearts this morning, that hearts would be transformed and changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we are going to, once again, jump right into the flow of this sermon series called Hello, My Name Is. Pastor Brennan brought an excellent word last week um, on, you know, out of the book of James 4. We're actually going to read that scripture again. I love the context of this, where it, earlier on the scripture, the familiar passage that we're all aware of, you know, surrender yourself to God, you know, submit to, submit to God, resist the enemy and he'll flee from you. Before it talks about, you know, there's quarreling among you. There's all the stuff going on. And then it goes on to say in James 4, we're going to pick it up right there in the Passion Translation. It says this, you have become spiritual adulterers. What strong language, right? Like James coming at you hard this morning. You know, you have become spiritual adulterers who have, who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. I'm going to say that again. Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us, but he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. Ooh, emphasize that grace is being poured out right now. For it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. Find yourself, eat some good humble pie this morning, church. So then surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him and he will flee in agony. Move your heart closer and closer to God. Another translation says, draw near to God and he will come even closer to you. Make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Now, I love this passage. We're going to pick up right here. We're talking about friendship with God. We're talking about going deeper. This is a topic for me that honestly is like my, if I were to think of something that was my like life, you know, um, goal or something that I would want to, per, you know, put out there uh, to believers. I side with James in this passage, which really the essence of it says that we need to go deeper with God. Now that this passage uh, says this, it basically says that you can't be a friend of the world and a friend with God. You can't have intimate friendship with God and be an intimate lover of the values of the world. In fact, it's kind of like having two best friends that have completely different value systems. Now, how many people know that y'all can't and hang out and have a good time. If you're hanging out with, you know, this best friend that, you know, values all manner of debauchery and all kind of crazy stuff. And then this friend who's pursuing wholeness and fire and passion for Jesus. If you go to hang out with them, let's say you go to hang out at a restaurant, you have nothing really to talk about. The value systems, the, the belief systems don't align and it's going to be one boring party. So why am I picking up here? Partly because last Sunday, actually I was listening to Pastor Brendan deliver the word and I 
to tell you the good honest truth, I had a dream few days before uh, Pastor Brennan was uh, preaching on Sunday that was super troubling to me. In fact, I legitimately got out of this dream, and I'll tell you about it in a minute. And I spoke to my husband about it, and I was like, yo, can you help me interpret this dream? I spoke to one of my mentors about it, Ewell Crawford, Prophet Ewell Crawford, and I said to him, like, I don't understand this dream. I mean, this dream gripped me with the fear of the Lord. I spoke to one of my coworkers about it, and just, you know, trying to, to kind of navigate through the pu puzzle pieces of this dream. And in this dream, um, I had gone to sleep. In this dream, uh, I was with my family and uh, extended family. We were in an apartment, and we were, you know, different people were in a season of transition, you know, somebody uh, looked like they were pregnant, you know, birthing something, getting ready to launch something. And I was, you know, hanging out, having a good time. And all of a sudden I looked at my watch and my watch said 632. And at that moment I was like, oh my goodness, I am late for something that I knew had started at about 2.30 that afternoon. And I was in a frantic panic. How many people know in a dream sometimes you can be a frantic panic? Like I was literally like, oh my gosh, scrambling to get out of the apartment to make my way to this, um, it's kind of like a convocation or like uh, it was a, gr a big meeting with, you know, prophetic voices, different ones that I know that you would know as well. And it was an appointment and that appointment was at Queen's Place. So in the dream, I'm scrambling my cousin, Crystal, shout out to Crystal from, you know, that lives in Orange County, California. She said, hop in my car, I'll drive you. Got in the car, drove, we overshot the location. I got up, long story short, there was a guy the side of the road and I was trying to figure out directions to get to this place and couldn't find it. Crystal left, I went in this gift shop, it was like brilliant, it looked amazing, but I could not get changed to take the subway to get to my location. And I woke up out of that dream and out of that dream, the Lord said to me, look at the time. Immediately when I got out of the dream, the Lord said, look at the time. I turned, grabbed my phone, looked at the time and it was 6.32 on the dot. Then the Lord said to me, look at Proverbs 6.32. And I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know if it's Proverbs 6.32. And I was kind of like, you know, and I'm going to pull it up for you here. I was kind of like, yeah, I think we're good. I think we, um, maybe it's Proverbs. I was just thinking through all 6.32s, you know, longitude, latitudes, you know, 6.32. What, uh, what is that? And I, I felt the need to go back to Proverbs 6.32. And this is it. It says, oh, I'm going to pull it up for you here. Proverbs 6.32, it says this. There we go. It says, don't be stupid as to think you can get away with your adultery. It will destroy your life and you will pay the price for the rest of your days. Now, how many people know that type of scripture can literally shock you. I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm not in adultery. I love my husband. Like, I really love my husband. If you know me, I really love my husband. Like, I went into a full-blown panic, fear of the Lord. Like, what is this? Oh my gosh, have I done something wrong? And the Lord, and I'm telling you, I like submitted it to, you know, mentors. I was like, show me my ways, God. Like, is there something wrong with my heart? But in those few days that I was in a bit of a tumultuous like moment trying to figure out what does this dream mean, you know, and different ones said, oh, you may need to look at, you know, not 632 in scripture, you may need to look at a book, you know, like whatever, Isaiah or whatever, 32 or 6 or uh, 62 verse or 60, what is it, 63 verse 2, whatever the case may be. And I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta figure this out. And I sat in service last Sunday when Pastor Brennan was preaching about adultery, spiritual adultery, and about the body of Christ needing to choose in this hour, 
who they want to go on the journey of intimate friendship with. And the Lord arrested my heart and said, this is your dream. In fact, Pastor Samuel texted me too, like he already said to me after, he's like, oh my gosh, that's your dream, that's your dream. And I said to my husband after, I said, that's the dream that the Lord, once again in the dream I was with family, the family of God, that the Lord is sounding an alarm right now, that he's calling us into deeper friendship, but he's saying, choose which way you're gonna go. Choose, because you can't have two best friends that have two different value systems. It's not a party. Now, we have, you know, this whole concept of, of deep relationships, and, and I believe, you know, that we are all made for deep relationships. God made us that way. Um, and it's not like, you know, there are people who say, oh, I don't have a need for a relationship. Like, I don't have a need for deep relationships. You know what? That's actually a lie. Like, you may not know you're lying, but it's actually not true. It's actually quite biblical and very much kingdom, uh, this whole design that God would de design us with the need to abide in community and relationally connect with him and with others. Once again, it's this whole thing of knowing people and being known by people, knowing God um, and opening our hearts and vulnerability to who he is. But the reality is some people are just relationally awkward. You know what I mean? Some people just don't know how to connect with people or, you know, it's not your personality type or whatever the case may be. But let me tell you, there's hope for you. It's kind of like the three different types of people that are dropped into a crowd in a given moment, right? Like how many of you, um, you know, if you are, you had to show up to a business event um, and you didn't know like the first half an hour was networking and you get there and you don't know anybody and you're like, oh my goodness, how do I kind of like, you know, break the ice, merge the gap. Like, how do we do this? It's like, I believe there are like three different types of people. There are people who uh, right off the jump will dive right in. They'll just be like, let's do this. They look friendly and they start making their way towards them. They're the other people who just run away at all costs. It's like, oh, party done. I'm out of here. I can't handle this. Or you sit in a corner in isolation until the event starts. And there are people that are just socially awkward. They get in there, they say the wrong thing, they kind of trip over their feet, they stumble. You're kind of like, that was really awkward, you know? Which one are you? Because once again, all of us kind of play into some element of that personality. But the beautiful thing with God whether you're the person who dives in, the person who struggles to engage, or the person who is socially awkward, there's a place at the table for you and the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't care about all that. He just wants to engage with you. And this series is about knowing him, but going deeper in intimacy. And, you know, intimacy is that kind of like, you know, word that people get a little bit weirded out about. You know, you say intimacy and immediately people think of sex. Or you say intimacy and people immediately start to retreat or it's like mm, I don't really quite know what that is now here's the definition of intimacy it is this it is a close personal connection or experience familiarity closely person and a close personal relationship detailed knowledge resulting from close association right detailed I love that detailed knowledge resulting from close association. And God is inviting us into this relationship with him where you begin to know him. You have got detailed knowledge regard, uh, of him as a result of close association, right? Not just standing on the outside kind of being like, ah, I don't know anybody and that type of thing. So I want to run through three things that I see in the body of Christ that stop us from engaging um, in intimacy. And then we're going to talk about a name of God that draws us right into that place of intimacy. So problem number one is this. 
Most Christians relive the awkward first introduction with God every week. What do I mean by that? I mean like, you know, when you're first introduced to somebody, it's kind of a little bit awkward for everybody, even those that dive in, because you're trying to find, you know, common ground and, you know, a kind of nervous laugh and you're just kind of trying to find your way to kind of find something that you guys can talk about, right? And the problem with a lot of believers is that they never journey past that first kind of introductory with God. And it's like they come to church every week or they read their Bible every week and they stand at a distance with that kind of awkward, hi God, like, I don't know where to find you. I don't know really much about you. This is an awkward song and dance. And God doesn't want us to, to be in that. In fact, the more you journey with a friend, the more you know intimate details of them, the more you become more at ease in their presence, right? You know your homeboy, you know your homegirl, you're driving down the street, the more you know them, the, you know, the windows down, you're blaring the music, you don't even have to say anything in their presence because you're at ease, because you know, you know, you know me, you know, it's that kind of vibe, right? You know me, I know you, we're chill. But the least amount of, of, of intimate knowledge or exchange that you have with someone puts you in an awkward situation with people. And it puts us in an awkward, awkward situation with God. Um, so God wants us to grow in this place of intimacy that we're not reintroducing ourselves to him every week. Oh, by the way, God, my name is, hello, my name is Sharon Witten. Or hello, my name is Emmanuel Luchima, or whatever the case may be. God is like, I already got that. We, we're already past the, the awkward, you know, pleasantries. You know what I mean? That the small talk that many of us don't like. We're already, we're already past it, but I just need you to come, you know, hang with me so that you become more and more at ease with how I relate to you so that I can see you and you can see me. And it's interesting. Um, people choose friends based on their knowledge of that individual. Like I pick friends um, because, you know, those that are really close in my inner circle, because chances are I share the same values as them. Um, chances are I like them. They're probably a little bit like me, maybe not like me, but there's certain things, commonalities. And God wants to be picked by you. You know, he's already picked you. You're already his friend. He always, he already is, no, let me say it this way. He already has extended an invitation for intimate friendship with you. Um, but once again, he wants you to pick him. And part of that is what the Bible talks about drawing nearer to him out of James four, bring yourself closer and closer to him. So you begin to know his nature and you begin to say, you know what, instead of watching that Netflix thing with, um, what's, what's that thing called? Scandal, Olivia Pope. I'm totally dating myself. I didn't even watch that series. So don't quote me on that. Instead of binge watching that or, uh, FBI or Law and Order SVU because, you know, I'm acquainted with that show and it makes me feel, you know, whatever. It's saying, you know what, right now I'm actually going to turn off the TV because I know God and I actually want to hang with him, you know, because I know when I'm in his presence, I'm at ease, right? Now, here's a side note that I want to say to you. There are many people um, that don't and cannot um, or struggle with, I won't say cannot, because all have the potential to go deeper in a relationship with God and others. And it's because of, I believe, and there are many probably reasons for that, but it's because of commitment issues. It's because of attachment issues. And it can also be because of pride issues. It addressed that also in James 4. It says, humble yourselves, you know? Um, some people that, that carry a lot of pride in their heart, they're just like, I don't really need God. Like, I don't really need people. I don't need God. I do me. I am me. I just want to be all about me. But the Bible says, no, you actually, you know, you, he, he's designed us for community and we've got to humble ourselves, eat a good, good slice, good, good 
you know, slice Thanksgiving's coming up. It's like you would, you know, order a pumpkin pie or apple crumble, cut out a big slice of humility. Um, because in humility, we encounter God, you know, you can't really be close in proximity with friends in friendships with people, unless you humble yourself to listen to them. So you're not over talking, you're not, you know, all these different things. Anyways, I'll, that's an aside. So we must learn as believers and as individuals, once again, humans that are designed for relationship to attach ourselves, commit to, and humble ourselves to God and others in relationship, humble ourselves in relationship, but humble ourselves even as it's as, as it pertains to God and others. And it's interesting. Some may say, okay, well, give us an example in the scripture on this. Jesus, uh, even though he knew the Bible says in John, I love it. John two twenty four. it says that he knew man's heart. And in, in a moment in that scripture, when he was doing signs and wonders, everybody was super excited. Like, oh my gosh, Jesus. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And he said that he didn't entrust himself to people in that moment because he knew man's heart was fickle. But eventually, when you look at Peter, James, and John, Jesus had to open himself up into a place of vulnerability um, to others that literally were his support system. And you know, you look at the, and I'll talk about these three cats a bit later, but even, even if people are, you know, you got to pick right friends and all that kind of stuff. But let's start with, hello, my name is God. And his desire, he's trustworthy. He's the one that you can open yourself to and not get back, uh, stabbed in the back or rejected. Okay. So once again, you know, people, one of the problems with believers, they relive the awkward first introduction over and over again. You know, another thing that happens is that many people just don't know the basics about God. We know of God, but we don't really know him. You know what I'm saying? It's like saying, my husband would always say this, like, I know Michael Jordan, but do you really know him? Like, would he pick you out of a crowd and be like, Hey girl, you know, like, do you know him intimately? And a lot of us just don't know the basics about him. Um, we've got to go on a journey of learning who he is through studying his nature that can be seen in the word of God and what he's like. What he is like can be found in uh, Galatians 5 in the fruit of the spirit. We often look at the fruit of the spirit from the standpoint of, oh, here are all the things that I've got to get be better at. Perseverance, self-control, you know, gentleness. But the Bible says, that the fruit of the spirit, it's the fruit, it's the nature of God, right? And we've got to go on that journey to know who he is. And we've got to encounter him and grow, and we grow and encounter him as we open up ourselves to know him. Um, and it's kind of like an investment. You begin and you, you begin to maintain and grow the relational investment that you have with God, you know, this relational equity as you show up revealing more and more of who you are. And he does the same thing right? We get to study him. We get to know him. We get to sit with him and listen. And he sits with us and listens to us. I want to just say this, a side note. There are so many people that are on this journey of like, oh, I want to grow in intimacy with God. I want to know him more. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And once again, the Bible is our foundation, but here's a little side tip that I'll give to you. And, and this is it. It's that the book of John, or let me say this, the life of John, study the life of John. It's the, the disciple, you know, the apostle John. He was the one that was close to him. He's the one that laid his head on, you know, Jesus's chest. He's the one, he, the Bible says he is, he was, and scholars, you know, say this, obviously this is debatable, you know, scholars are studying this, but they say that he was the youngest of all, um, all the apostles. He was the youngest. He was probably at the time that he was walking around with Jesus was probably between the age of 13 and 16. So I've got a 13 year old son. Like think of my son, Micah, like that was John. 
And the Bible says that he, you know, he, as he writes, you, you begin to see the intimacy in his language and how he conveys uh, the, the, what happened uh, in the life of Jesus. And once again, these are writers that are, spirit, that are uh, Holy Spirit inspired as they wrote the word of God, but you're also getting part of their personality in their writings. It's like Luke was a physician, detailed, you're seeing it in the book of Luke. But with John, you, you know, he writes in John, he writes in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelations, a lot of the language, and if you study these scriptures, are it's language and, and words of intimacy. He talks about my dearly beloved bro uh, brethren. He, in the book of Revelations, relates to them with language that associates himself with them in their suffering. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a profound thing. And I love studying, him, uh, studying his life, and it's like even Jesus entrusted his mother to John right? Like he was a relational dude, right? So you study his life, study his books, and you'll begin to grow in an understanding of the love that he had for, for Jesus and vice versa. Um, and God wants to know us in that way. Like he, he wants us to know his personality, his character in such a way and his temperament in such a way that every time you hang out with him, you're impacted in a deeply profound way. Like he wants you to hang with him. And when you get up from that hang, you are like, something has shifted. It's like hanging with a good friend, right? You go out and it's like, you just feel refueled. You may not even be able to identify, but you just feel like on top of the world because something in you feels like it was, it was made full. And that's because your time and what the, happened in the exchange of that, you were seen and you were known and you were understood. It's this whole thing about being seen. Contrary to popular belief, all of us want to be seen, right? Um, and all of us kind of, actually, I'll say this, we all desire to be seen, but not all of us want to be platformed. Okay. And how do I know this? And we all react differently to being seen, right? Like it's like some people get embarrassed. Some people get fearful. Some people get excited. It's like going to a Blue Jays game or going to a hockey game, Toronto Maple Leafs, whatever. And when the Jumbotron uh, camera focuses on you, like you know how these moments where they focus on the crowd and people see themselves in the, in the camera. Some people are like jumping up and down. They're like, oh my gosh, they're doing crazy things. Other people are like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know? And other people just like get up and walk away. Like, and it's just because they're being seen. But God wants us to see him and know him and he wants us to know that we are seen and known by him. So how, how, and why is that? How do we know that? Let me say this. I'll read to you out of um, Psalms 139, verse 1 to 6 in the Passion. It says this. I love it. The psalmist says this. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul. Like you're seen by God. He knows everything that there is to know about you. And you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. Oh my goodness. <laughs> now you think about your thoughts differently, right? And it says here, you are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak even before I start a sentence. You know every step I take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future. Listen to this language, church. You've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness, characteristic of God, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. You have laid your hand on me. This is too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. And then I love what it ends in this statement. It says this, your understanding of me, the way you get me, the way my, my, my um, addition, the way you, you know me, your understanding of me, the way you, you observe me, brings me wonder and strength. There is strength from being known by God. Like when you know he knows you, there's something of strength that comes. 
So once again, let's dive into that place with them. And then the number three thing that I see in the body of Christ is that some of you have gotten the wrong intel. Like you just got, you know, you, you, your intel from God came from the stranger at the corner store that was selling beef patties for 50 cents. You didn't know if it was real meat or not real meat. That guy, you got your intel from him. And he told you some sketchy things about God. He told you God is impatient. God loses his temper. He's, he, you know, you're, you're at the bottom of the pile. He gives shiny things to other people. He's unkind. He's selfish. And the list goes on. And you keep going back to that guy buying that same patty. That thing will make your stomach sick. But anyways, aside. But I love what it says once again in Galatians. Galatians 5, it says this, uh, that one of the fruit of the spirit, I think it's verse 22, it says, is gentleness. So how, how we see God and, you know, once again, hello, my name is gentle. He is gentle. He doesn't speak to you in frustrating, frustrating tones, right? His strength is under control. That's gentleness, his strength under control. His gentleness actually transforms us. This is what the Bible says. In Psalm 18, verse 35, it says this in the ESV. It says, you, this is David when all the kind of crazy stuff was going on with him, he says, you have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. How you handled me, how you, how you de dealt with me transformed something in me. It made me great. So I want us to take a little bit of a deeper look on once again, this thing of intimacy. Once again, some of us, when it comes to intimacy, we, you know, we go, we relive that awkward situation, introduction, day after day, you know, week after week. Secondly, some of us just don't know the basics of God. We don't know his personality, his temperament, uh, but we're invited to come into that. Um, and then some of us straight up, we just, um, we, you know, we, and actually, let me say this too, um, that in his temperament, we like, once again, you have the wrong intel. You've gotten the wrong intel, the guy in the patty shop. Just remember that the guy in the patty shop. Um, and then, so, so what I want to kind of move into, once again, we're in this whole sermon series called hello, my name is, is I want to move into one of the names of God. Um, and there's, there's distinctive names of God in the Bible that speak of intimacy specific names of God. I don't have time today. Maybe I can preach it at another time. I'm not quite sure. I don't know. We'll see who's on the roster to preach. But there's names of God that, that exemplify the desire of God our Father for intimacy. Name number one. We're going to focus on one name. It's going to be the first one, but I'll give you the rest of them. So say this with me. Hello, my name is El Roy. And that is the God who sees me. And that's one of the names of intimacy, one of the names of God that speaks of intimacy with God, the God who sees me. Another one is Emmanuel, God with us. You know, a lot of us sing that at Christmas or, you know, Eman at church, you know, whatever the case may be. But Ezekiel 37 verse 27 says this, I will make my home among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Isaiah 8, 10 actually speaks about that to Emmanuel, God with us. Another one, I'm probably going to butcher this. I apologize. The Hebrew, I'm not a Hebrew scholar and I didn't go to Hebrew school. Elohei Avotinu. 
And that means the God of our fathers. That's out of Exodus 3, 15, where God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me. That is a, 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 um, a name of intimacy. He is the God of our fathers. Why is that important? That speaks of the family, the legacy. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And there's an intimacy piece in that. Then there's the word Avi, which is father. Second Corinthians 6, 18 says this, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. What powerful language. Once again, a name associated with intimacy. Once again, we're the invitation for, for intimate friendship. And the last one I want to throw out to you, and we're going to take a few moments here and dive into the first one is El Kwa'anan. I'm not quite sure how to, how, to, how to pronounce it, but it means, and it is translated jealous God, right? He is a jealous God. Exodus 34 verse 14 says, you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. It's an actual name of intimacy. He jealously longs for you. The spirit jealously longs for you. He wants us to be in the, the abiding in those places of deep intimacy with him. So we're going to focus on that name, El Roy, um, and it's out of Genesis 16, and it's the story, I'm going to be real quick uh, in reading it to you, it's the story of um, Sarah, Sarai, and Hagar, and Abram, it's, it's probably one of the most relationally controvers controversial stories in the Bible. Uh, in fact, there's a whole lot of relational drama attached at in this story. And I'll read it to you, and it's this, I'm going to kind of briefly summarize it, but it says, Now Sarai, Abraham's, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She, was a, she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, actually, I'm going to change the translation here. And Sarah, Sarai said to Abram, See here, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. I am asking you to go into, and this is the Amplified, the bed of my maid, my maid, so that she may bear you a child. Drama at its finest right there. Drama, people. Perhaps I will obtain children by her. And Abram, Abram listened to Sarai and did as she said. After a Abram had lived in the land of Canaan 10 years, Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar, the Egyptian maid, and gave her to her husband. Gave her to her husband... Abram to be his secondary wife. Now let's just stop right there for a minute. Secondary wife. This is no, um, what's that called? Sister wife, all that kind of stuff. This not a good thing. Not a good thing. How many women would agree with me? Nobody's trying to give your husband to some other lady to be a second wife. Okay. We'll go back to the story here. He went into the bed of Hagar and she conceived. And when she realized that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress regarding Sarai as insignificant because of her infertility. So Hagar was looking at Sarai being like, oh, well, you don't have value because you couldn't conceive. And then Sarai said to Abram, may the responsibility for the wrong done to me by the arrogant behavior of Hagar be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms. And when, I, when she realized that she conceived, I was despised and looked on with disrespect. Disrespect. This could be a movie. May the Lord judge who has done right between you and me. But Abraham said to Sarai, look, your maid is entirely in your hands and subject to your authority. Do as you please with her. So Sarai treated her harshly and humiliated her. So she, here's a relation drama, relational drama. So Hagar looked at her like, girl, you can't produce, you can't do what I can do for him. And looked at her with disrespect. Then Sarai turned to her, it's kind of like a, a, a female drama series, right? 
as the world, as the world, what is it called? As the world turns, you know? And then, um, and then you see here in verse seven, but the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness on the road, Egypt, by the way of Sur. And he said to Hagar, uh, Sarai's maid, where did you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm running from my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit humbly to her authority. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. And the angel of the Lord continued, and I'm going to jump forward. She said, you know, you're going to have a son and his name is going to be called Ishmael. And that actual translation means God hears. And then it goes down to say in verse 13, I'm going to jump down. It says, then, and the Lord, you know, this encounter with the Lord, the angel of the Lord. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, I have not even here in the wilderness remain alive after seeing him. Who sees me, listen to this language, who sees me with understanding and compassion. And then the story goes on. And I love this chapter. We gloss over the story as a uh, melodrama, as a, you know, some sort of movie, you know, and it's like everyone hates on Hagar. It's kind of like, oh, and the whole, you know, certain descendants of Hagar, you know, everyone hates on that. But the reality, even in this storyline for this woman who was given to a husband to do things, you know, all this kind of stuff in this storyline, you know, I think her name means forsaken. She felt like she was in the dump of all dumps, but the Lord still encountered her. And in this chapter, we have one of the names of God, which is the God who sees. And I, I love this um, because Sarai treated her poorly, but God came and said, no, I'm actually going to make the fruit of your womb have a name. I'm going to actually bless. I'm going to come and I'm going to meet you in the middle of this. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to come alongside of you in the middle of this. Um, and once again, as I said, Hagar was one of the most scrutinized characters in the Bible, but God saw her and came to her. Jeremiah 23, verse 23 to 24 says this, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do, nor, uh, or do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. He is the God who sees. He is the God who meets you. Why is this important in this season? It's important because many of us are going through really, really hard times where you're crying out to God, you feel forsaken, you feel broken, you feel like here are the promises, why aren't they happening? You feel like there's delay, but the Bible says that there is a name that is given to our God and the name is El Roy. Hello, my name is El Roy, and it's I am the God who sees and also hears in this story. So I want you to know this about God. Once again, we're not buying the beef patty, the 50 cent beef patty that we don't even know if it's meat from the corner store. We're not getting our intel from that guy. Here's what I want you to know about this whole idea of the God who sees. He knows your situation. Turn to somebody in your house and say, he knows your situation. He knows your challenges. The fact that you're struggling to pay your bills at the end of the month. The fact that you do not know what to do, whether to take the vaccine, don't take the vaccine, threaten your jobs being threatened, all those things. He is the God who sees your challenges. He knows your family. He knows that crazy uncle that can't keep his mouth shut, you know, sister so-and-so who, you know, doesn't take care of her family, you know, all that. He knows your family. He knows your health issues. For those of you that are scared to say, I had COVID or I have COVID, he knows what's going on in your body. And he is the one that sees and he can meet you in the place of your pain. He's the one who knows your weaknesses and knows your sins and yet still loves you. 
intimacy. He is the God that says, hey, I already went to the cross. I already took one step towards you. I'm inviting you into this intimate walk, even though you're flawed, terribly flawed. So once again, hello, my name is Elroy. He's the God who cares. He's the God who's involved. He's the God who's there. He's the God who's active. He's the God who's at work in every situation. And he's the God, and listen to this last one, that is an engaged, right? Nobody wants a friend that is not engaged with them. You don't want to go to a friend and, you know, you're hanging out with your boy or you're hanging out with your girl and you're in the car or you're at a restaurant and they're on their phone like the whole time. You know, nobody wants that friend. You know, I know a lot of us do that at restaurants, you know. That's why I have this policy when I go out with my husband. I'm like, listen, no phones, right? But nobody wants that friend that, that is not engaging. But the Lord, the fact of that this nature of his name, hello, my name is Elroy, is a God that engages because he sees and he hears. So now we just have to sit in this understanding of him, this name of intimacy. Hello, my name is Elroy. This is so important, guys, in this time and season. It's so important to know that he sees you. Because once again, your understanding of him, if it moves from, you know, from the awkward, hi, into an understanding of, oh, this is his name, his nature is to engage. It's the God who sees that there's nothing that, 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 that happens that God is not aware of and yet actively engaged in to rescue you, to deliver you, to set you free. And, and most importantly of all, to, to be a best friend to you. It's like Psalm 23 says, I think it's in the Passion, the Lord is my shepherd and my best friend. Like he wants to be there for you guys. So this is the invitation in this sermon series is to go deeper with him. 1 Peter 3 verse 12 says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His eyes are on you. We read over this chapter, we don't even, we don't even gain the revelation. The Lord says his eyes are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayers. Why is this important? Family, fam, it's important because in a time where there's chaos going on in our nation, in our city, where, where fear is rampant, where people are, are afraid of the future, people don't know where to invest, what to do, sell a house, buy a house, whatever the case may be. The Bible says, number one, his name is the God who sees the God who hears, and the reality of it is in this scripture, in, in 1 Peter 3, verse 12, that his eyes are on you and that his ears are attentive to your prayer. So I want to challenge you. I'm going to pray for you as we close. I could go on and on and on, but if I can tell you and just give you a couple of nuggets to remember, move from basic understanding of God into deeper, intimate knowledge of him, right? Ditch the awkward, hello, my name is this Sunday. Hello, my name. Do you know me? Do you know me, Sharon? <laughs> Sharon, that's my name. Like move away from that awkward reintroduction week after week after week. Begin to study his nature. Where do you want to start? Look at John. Look at 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Look at, look at uh, the book of Revelations. You know, study the life of, you know, John and how he related to Jesus, you know? And then come into an understanding, go back over Genesis 16 and study deeper this understanding that one of the names of intimacy that is given to us is Elroy, the God who sees.
So Father, today I just pray for each one that is listening. God, I we open our hearts. We take a step closer to you as it says in James 4, 4, that we draw near to you and you promise that you will draw near to us. And Father, we thank you that in this sermon series, Hello, My Name Is, that you are inviting us to know your nature, your name, your ways, your temperament, your personality. We want to know you and we want to be known by you. So Father, forgive us for hiding like, like you don't see and you don't know. You already know, you already see our weaknesses and flaws. And Father, we just come as we are because we know that when we hang with you, when we, when we fellowship with you, you know, when you, you speak to us, it transforms our lives. So Father, today we receive just uh, a fresh grace, as it says in James, to engage with you in a deeper way. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. So if you're at home today and, you know, I'm talking about all these wild characteristics of God and you don't know him like that. And you, in fact, you, you've been listening to the guy at the corner store. You remember I said that the guy that sells that beef patty for 50 cents that we don't even know if it's real meat. You, all you know about God is that like, he's harsh, he's at a distance, he's not near, you know, and you've never really uh, had an opportunity to give your life to God or to get to know him on a deeper level, know his nature. You know, when I'm talking to you about he's the God who sees, you know, out of Genesis 16, you're like, I didn't realize he saw me. I didn't realize he, he knew all the details of what was going on with me and wants to engage with me. Yes, he does. He's the God that wants to actively engage with you. But first things first, you've got to say to God, hey God, I, I, I'm inviting you to engage with me. I'm opening up my heart so that we can engage in a relationship. So if that's you today and you're saying, you know what, I recognize I've done things my own way, like that book, uh, James, it talks about, you know, I was prideful and I've just been, I've done things, I've messed up, I've missed the mark as what the Bible talks about, which is I've been engaged in all kinds of, you know, things, worldly things that I know were wrong, as the Bible once again says is sin. And I'm willing to put those things aside because I want to choose you, God, as a friend. Remember, you can't have two best friends sitting at the same meal that are completely and totally different in their values and the principles and in their heart because that's not a party. So you got to choose one or the other. So if you're saying today that you want to choose God and you want to begin a relationship with God, I want you to repeat this prayer after me because he's willing. He's there. He's like, I know you. In fact, it talks about in the book of Romans that yet while you were doing all manner of crazy stuff, like when you were in the clubs partying, when you were stealing, when you were, you know, maybe you were a murderer, maybe you were sleeping around, maybe you were just doing all the stuff that, you know, you knew were, was wrong, you know, that was not living your best life. You knew that, you know, these things were missing the mark. They were sin. That the Bible says he still yet in those moments loves you and he died for you. So I want to invite you in repeating this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I've done things that are wrong. I've missed the mark. But God, I know that you see me that you love me and you want a relationship with me. So I ask you to forgive me from all my sins, from the ways, you know, for, from me living the worldly life. 
and I choose to follow after you. Open my eyes to see how much you love me and to get a better understanding of who you are. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Simple prayer, but yet very, very profound. Because really what you just prayed was you drawing yourself closer to him, the one who's already drawn close to you in his demonstration of the cross. You know, dealing with all your sin on the cross. He's already he made that first step. And that invitation is a beautiful thing. So now, if you're looking for a tip, go read the book of John and study, you know, who this man Jesus is, what he's about and what he's done for you. He is the God who sees. Well, wasn't that an awesome word? I am biased. I will totally admit it. I am very biased when it comes to my wife's preaching, but that was a great word. What an encouragement for us. What a challenge for us. I really want to encourage you. Let's make sure we are not just hearers of this word, but let's make sure we are doers of this word. Amen? Yeah, come on. Somebody say, just do it. Amen. Just do it. So, before we jump into our announcements and obviously close things down today, I want to put a special highlight on an amazing way we can do the Word, and that's through getting involved this week with TCC We Pray, our week of prayer and fasting. And so here's what we're going to be doing this week. Number one, we're going to be fasting. So I want to encourage you, pick at least one day to fast, right? Uh, you can fast more than one if the Lord leads you to. Uh, you can fast one, maybe even if fasting today is a lot, fast a meal. Fast something this week, but let's be united in our fasting. And let's do that. Number two, we are going to have some daily video devotionals. So I have set up and recorded some devotionals for you. They're going to be released every single day on our church YouTube channel. And we're going to be actually doing some studies in the book of Revelation with a focus on the revelation of Jesus, knowing more of who God is. That's been our theme this month, right? Know God, make him known. And so we're going to be focusing on that through the devotionals. So check in every morning, the video devotionals we're going to go. Number three, we're going to have scripture reading. So every day there's going to be an opportunity to read scripture that connects with the devotional and the teaching that we're doing. And last but not least, we are going to be praying. So every morning at 6 a.m., we're going to have on our church conference call line, we're going to have prayer. You can tune in there. Also in the evenings at 7 o'clock p.m., we are going to have prayer that is also happening. So we're going to have 7 p.m. in the nights. We're going to have 6 a.m. in the mornings. You can hop in. There are going to be 30 minutes of prayer. The evening ones are going to be on Zoom. That's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I really want to encourage you to jump into prayer. And then on Friday night, we have all church prayer in person right here at the church. So you can sign up to join us in person. Or we are also going to be live streaming it. Now, we've been talking a lot about live streaming. We're looking forward to when we can live stream our Sunday services as a whole. But actually, this all-church prayer is going to, be a, it's going to be a test run for us in many ways. So we're going to, it's kind of one of our, our first experiences. So it's going to be at 7.30 p.m. on Friday night. Uh, but if you can't make it in person, you can tune into the live stream. And you'll be helping us because we'll be testing things out a little bit and making sure it's live streamed properly. So join us for that. And then... Make sure I don't forget, last but not least, we are also going to have prophetic ministry from our prophetic teams. That's going to be on Friday evening afterwards. So here's what I need you to do. If you're joining in with us, go to torontocitychurch.com or look out for my email that's going to come out today and sign up to be part of the week of prayer and fasting. Once we have you on our email list, we will send you the links for the prayer calls. We're going to send you a reminder like the daily videos, the daily devotion, you know, the daily scripture reading. We're going to send you all those details, so sign up. Make sure you get in there. 
Let us know you're on board. Join in with us. And also, there's a link online if you are interested in receiving prophetic ministry. So just go there and sign up as well. We do have limited slots, so we need you to sign up quickly if you want to get ministry and be on board. And that prophetic ministry is going to be in person here at the church. Obviously, socially distanced, masked, and safely set up. But we want to make sure that we can minister to those who need ministry. So whether it's individually or, uh, you know, even if you... Maybe, maybe your kids and you want to just have a little bit of a family ministry time. We, we just, I mean, let us know. We're just here to serve you and minister to you. So TCC, we pray this week, get on the mailing list. If you're interested in uh, prophetic ministry, sign up for that online as well. If you have any other questions, any other concerns, let us know. We're here to serve you. We're going to keep moving forward together as a family in this time. Come on, the enemy's trying so hard to divide people. Let's not let that happen to us, amen? We're going to be together. Maybe sometimes we have a different of opinion on different things, but we're family, and we love each other with the love of the Lord, and we talk, and we work through stuff, and we grow together. Let's keep pushing forward together. Again, an amazing word today from Pastor Sharon. Get out to Connections this week. Want to encourage you to get involved in volunteering. Remember, there's a volunteer training this Thursday too. If you signed up for that, anything else, go to our website. We have all the details there for you. Or worst case, just call us at the office. We will help you get connected and get involved.